again. It's like, you ain't lost a step, bro. You ain't lost a step. It's that car. It's like, yeah, one, they like that. It's like a little quick thrill. Uh, and then two, it's all like, it's that car, man. Unfortunately, yeah, just see you as an Uber driver. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like your main source. Oh, I'm telling you, bro. I'm telling you, once you make that money, and yeah, off of, yeah, off to the Bible, and uh, whatchamacallit, um, yeah, to the Bible, and you're writing, it'll, it'll yeah, the ladies will look, it'll, it'll be a different type of attention. Chew the Bible. It's your good friend A.A. Ron. It's almost 5 p.m. 4.57 in the afternoon on this lovely, lovely, lovely June 22nd, Thursday, June 22nd, 2023. Hope everyone is having an amazing day. Went pretty hard with the Raybu and lift. <laughs> The last few days, yeah, last few days, especially yesterday, and I can feel it now. So I'm finally getting going. Do 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 I just got to be at the car wash before seven o'clock. But yeah, so I got two hours at the car wash. I kind of like skipping out. On, like not starting until seven because with it being a weekday rush hour it goes from like five to about six thirty. Shooting lady, it starts at like four. From four to six. So I kinda like skipping out on all that. Even though it's kinda busy because you're picking up people getting off work around those times. But I rather just kinda I just like enjoy driving when there's just nobody on the road. Uh now, some people think I'm crazy for saying this, but honestly, I actually enjoy doing... I'm starting to actually enjoy being a Raybu and Lyft driver. The only thing is I need to... I'm realizing what I need to do is make a pivot. I need to make a pivot into just starting my own transportation business. And... I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, part of me thinks it involves eventually getting like an even nicer car than what I have already. But before I get that nicer car, I need to get a, my own place with a garage. Because, yeah, I need my car to be garaged. Like this whole cleaning it every day and the dust and everything blowing on it. So... Yeah, I'm really thinking about starting a private transportation company and just doing um, kind of like a limousine service. But I don't know. I'm still wrestling about that. 
Because I really don't want to go back to recycling or buying and reselling stuff online, which I probably will, that will kind of, it might end up being another hustle of mine pretty soon. Um, You know what? Like my brother said, once I just am doing Chew the Bible and pot, yeah, writing, then everything's going to fall into place. Like, honestly, that's my burgers and, fr- my, all, burgers and fries. My brother and I, we often talk about burgers and fries, burgers and fries. What's your burger? What's your fry? Focus on those two things and you'll be all right. My burger, the thing that I'm like most passionate about is chew the Bible. I love, I could do this all day, every day and not get tired of it. Um, and my fries would be writing, just yeah, poetry, all that kind of, yeah, making the audiobooks, just being creative. So, ah, forget the transportation company. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't want to do that. That's, uh, that's what my brother would say. Like, Aaron, you know, you're good. Well, you don't really want to do that. I really don't. Um, during the season, that's the hard thing about, I'm just rambling, uh, I'll get to the word here in a minute. Um, during this season of life, it's just like, I was just telling my brother, it, I feel like ever since my door divorced five years ago, it's like the house was destroyed. You know, the scripture that talks about uh, the man that builds his house in the sand versus on the rock. Um. I honestly feel like the only reason why I withstood the storms that I've been through is because my foundation was Jesus. It's just that, yeah, my house was just, it felt like it was completely destroyed. Like, but the foundation was still there after the storm. And yeah, it's like I'm now building on that foundation again, all over, starting all over again. The Lord is doing the building, right? Uh, at least I'm trying to allow him to, even though my flesh sometimes wants to take the wheel. Shoot, a lot of times, 99% of the time, my flesh wants to take the wheel instead of surrendering. Uh, but we're working on that. We're wrestling with that. Um, like Jacob. But uh, what am I trying to say here? I was just telling my brother I would kind of like to meet a woman while... The home is being rebuilt in my like in my life in my heart, so that I know this time she's not with me because of what I can provide for her. I never want to be in a situation like that again where a woman is just with me because for what I can provide for her because the minute I stop being able to provide for her, then she's gone right or she's looking at me with what is it, disgust contempt and um but I realize, you know, I at the same time realize no woman is going to really do that. It's kind of like a coming to America kind of thing. Like that kind of story is rare that this woman. Yeah. What was her name? Yeah. Uh, what was the woman's name from coming to America? What was all girls? Name? Lisa McDowell. There you go. Lisa McDowell. There's finding Lisa, Lisa McDowell is rare. Now. I am uh, not advocating y'all to go watch <laughs> Coming to America. If you do watch it, watch the edited version. Yeah. 
and that doesn't have all the nudity or whatever and cursing like they used to do them back in the day i think it was on usa you could watch movies and they have all that stuff in there anyway for those of y'all know what i'm talking about i've seen the movie you know lisa mcdowell you know how do i say this here's this prince uh in Hakeem from Zamunda. And he comes all the way to Queens, New York to find a bride. <laughs> Finds Lisa McDowell. She starts dating him thinking he just works at McDowell's, right? Just working in, or, you know, a variation McDonald's. Just a lowly, humble dude. And she falls in love with this guy despite the fact that he doesn't make a whole lot of money and doesn't have title and status. Yeah, he he fakes being broke, being poor. And then later on, he has to tell her, like, hey, I'm really a prince. She gets upset. Anyway, it's been a while since I watched the movie, but, like, something about that is beautiful. Like, this woman not caring what he does, like, actually loving him, that's, like, that is like the most unrealistic story in life. Women, yeah, rarely will you find a woman that will love a guy just because of his qualities, him being a Christian man, him loving the Lord, him pursuing the Lord, him um, just being a, a godly man versus what he can provide for you, you know? And so some of this goes back to Adam and Eve too, just... I'm not going to go that deep, but Adam was told to work. Eve was just told to basically just have babies. But yeah, if you say stuff like that, sound kind of old school. But it's just like things, roles, the way God designed this world is still, and designed men and women are still kind of the same. It hasn't really changed. Well, you know, not kind of, it is the same, at least in my opinion. This is my personal opinion. And so, uh, yeah, the chances of basically what I'm saying is finding a woman that loves a man unconditionally, not based on what he can provide for her, is rare because men are called and designed to be providers. But what about when the man can't provide? Then what? (laughs) It happens all the time. Guys get hurt on work all the time. Guys lose their jobs, guys, yeah, things can change quickly. And it's like, no, I'm not your provider. God is your provider. I'm just an avenue for him to bless you. But anyway, what am I trying to say here? What am I trying to say? I'm just kind of venting, y'all. That was my big brother talking at the beginning of this podcast. Some people say we sound alike, but that was him. Uh, we have some interesting, deep conversations about this stuff that I'm going through. Um, all right, so 10 minutes in, 10-minute ramble. I caught it off, cut it off there. I don't know if I, what I, anything I just said made any sense, but let's go to the Word of God. Well, that is the only thing that seems to make sense these days. So, all right, uh, Genesis 18. King James Version, and the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. 
And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. All right, this is interesting. A couple things. There's, so there's three men. Abraham's. Abraham sees three men. A couple questions is, who are these three men? Is it the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Is it angels? Well, it says, and the Lord appeared unto him. So I, it looks like that's uh, an appearance of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three men appear to... I'm sure there's some commentaries on this. Somebody has a different opinion. I'm just sharing mine. Uh, what I think this possibly was Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Or Jesus and some angels. I don't know. I just know it says, and the Lord appeared unto him. And Abraham sees three people. It's interesting that he immediately wants to take on the role of a humble servant and wash their feet the way Jesus washed the disciples' feet. I love noticing this, these parallels, these things, these motifs throughout the Bible. It's pretty cool. All right, verse 5. And I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that, ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. Uh, he wants to comfort their hearts. He gives them some bread and comfort their hearts. That's what Jesus does for us. All right, and they and he did the same thing for Elijah when he was running from uh, Jezebel, terrified of her, and was ready to commit. Yeah, basically commit suicide. God sent that raven and fed him some bread. Anyway, I'm looking forward to reading about Elijah again. I love Elijah, the story of Elijah. All right, verse six. Oh, yeah, and they said, uh, let's read verse five again. And I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that, ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, so do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the earth, the, upon the hearth, not the earth. Verse 7, And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it unto a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter in milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. Verse 9, they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. I just love how they talk. <laughs> they talked. Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. So Sarah was eavesdropping, being a little nosy, like we all like to be sometimes. 
Verse 11, now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Let's read that again. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. Because remember, I think in the last recording, Genesis 17, it said Abraham was 99 years old when God told him he was about to have a child. Excuse me, y'all. Still kind of man shaking off the sleepy vibes. I've been having some interesting dreams the last couple days, but I barely remember them. I've noticed when I don't remember my dreams very well. When I only really re- vaguely remember the what I dreamed about right before waking up, I tend to like sleep longer, like straight through, without the constant like waking up every two hours. But the only problem is like I notice that I don't always wake up the, the most rested when I don't remember my dreams, you know? I don't know if that made sense, but... Yeah. I guess they say when you're dreaming, it's a sign that you're in REM sleep, that you're in deep, deep sleep, but especially if you can remember your dreams, but my problem is I'm such a lucid dreamer that, and I dream so... Yeah, the dreams feel so real and vivid that they wake me up when something happens. I'm like, I don't want to be here for that. I'm like, all right, peace out. And I wake myself up. And then Sherman Clump was saying, I wake up in a cold sweat. James, James Brown said that too. But anyway, all right, back to the word. In verse 11, now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord, being old also, it's interesting that she uses that word pleasure. Why does she use that word pleasure? I have questions, but we're going to keep reading. Verse 13, and the Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I, shall I of a surety bear a child which I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. I love that question. That's a good question. That's something you could put on the t-shirt. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? One more time. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Of course, we all know the answer to that question. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. You know, you got the Philippian scripture. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. All things through Christ. Whatever his will is, whatever his divine plan is, whatever his purpose is, nothing is too... If he's giving you a vision for something, as long as it's like within line with his purpose and plan for your life, 
Um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. But there's times where I know in my personal life, my biggest question sometimes is like, okay, God, what do you, what exactly are you up to? Like, what do you want me to do? And sometimes some of the visions that I feel like I've gotten, I need to write some more of this stuff down. Sometimes I have to question, is this my flesh, you know, trying to build my own kingdom or is this me walking by the spirit trying to build the kingdom of God, right? And yeah, nothing is too hard for the Lord. He can do anything. Just sometimes, you know, your faith can waver. You can doubt that God will move on your behalf to do whatever, fill in the blank. Like in this example of like me eventually getting remarried, when sometimes I think about the possibility, like what that would even look like. Even the conversation I had with the other lady yesterday who um, got remarried to a guy who had four kids. She had two kids. And then they had two more kids together. Like, just the, like, what would that look like? <laughs> How would that even be possible, you know? Um, it's mind-blowing, you know? And then you have to ask yourself, is anything too hard for the Lord? Nope. All right, now he's about to deal with Sarah. Verse 15, this Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, nay, but thou didst laugh. So this is another example. This is just one of the funniest stories in the Bible to me. Like, we're only 18, 18 chapters in, right? <laughs> and we got another example of how Eve basically lied. I mean, not Eve. Sarah, the great, 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 great granddaughter of Eve, lied to God. Lied to God. And said because she was afraid. There's so much to unpack there, but it just shows you like these... This is going to be a repetitive story throughout the Bible of people, men and women, being afraid and not being uh, this like this, not being 100 percent honest with God. There's times when people had times a chance to repent and own up to what they did wrong, but instead they try to cover it up. You know, David in the sin of Bathsheba. There's just so many examples of just like, yeah, the cover up is worse than the crime. And here's just like a simple, what some people call a simple white lie. Like God is saying, yeah, you did laugh. And she's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> oh, man, it was said because she was afraid. 
all right, there's just so much there. Y'all go read some commentaries on that, but just just let that marinate for a while. Like, I'm just thinking, like, in our own lives, think about all the examples of times where you've been afraid of God and you were afraid to just be 100% clean with him and honest with him about something, anything, fill in the blank. Instead of going to him in just humble confession, repentance, and confessing your sins to other people in church leadership, you hit it. And yeah, you weren't 100% honest with folks in your church and with God. Honestly, that's as I'm processing things that have happened over the last few days from that church service I went to yesterday the guy was talking about transparency in church and just reading this and just everything just things i'm just processing as i'm reading this i honestly think this is the number one reason why people don't want to go to church because they're afraid of god like truly just going laying themselves bare before the altar not to say that you can't have an altar at your home, right? But there's something about walking in the front of a church where there's other Christians there and you were admitting to like, you know, when they do like altar calls, like they did an altar call yesterday about, yeah, if you have any, anything that you, any kind of sin that you need prayer for, that you need to confess. Um, yeah, gossiping, uh, yeah, sexual addiction, um, Whatever it is, fill in the blank. Come forth. <laughs> and yeah, people went forward, right? I went forward. And there's something about like actually humbly doing that in front of like even like yeah, even like when you give your life to Christ, right? And you walk forward for an altar call, you know? And you do it before a bunch of people. Like there's something about, yeah, that fear, like what are people gonna think about me? What are they gonna say? It's like no. You should care less about what people think and care more about what God thinks. But there's something about that going forward. Like even with baptism, we're not saved by baptism, but there's something about that public declaration in front of people. Like, um, I'm, I've died to my old self and I'm born again to a new self, you know, a new creation. That'll be interesting when we talk about Nicodemus. But yeah, to bring it on back from tangent landing or just this cycle of thought. She lied about something as simple as laughing at God. Is anything too hard for God? <laughs> anyway, all right, I'm going to keep going. The cities of the plain. Just let that marinate for a while. Like, There's something in that. There's power in just that this Genesis 18, just this one little part, like, and asking ourselves, like, how and what ways am I like Sarah? And even Abraham, but especially Sarah, like, in what ways do I doubt God that nothing is too hard for him? And then laugh at God when he tells us he can do something, he's or he's going to do something in our life, he's going to bless us, right? And we laugh at him or we take it lightly or we, yeah, we take our calling and our purpose lightly. Even just for me, the thought that I could one day live 100% off of podcasting and writing, like, 
it's not that I necessarily laugh at the thought of that, but there's this part of me that sometimes like think like, uh, I mean, I know it's possible, but like deep down, there's this like doubt that like that whatever like whatever ever even happened for me, you know. And somehow I feel like in my heart of hearts, like I would have to compromise in some type of way to make that happen. When really, honestly, that's not the truth. And when I say compromise, I mean like there's a way, I don't know, how do I say this? There's a way with this podcast that I enjoy doing it where it's not all like polished and it's not all like all the theatrics and stuff, the best way I can say it, that I enjoy. And I never want to compromise in that way of trying to make it sound and look like all the other podcasts out there. Anyway, or even just other ways that people compromise to come across as like making the podcast like very gimmicky or whatever and trying to sell all this products and stuff, pushing stuff on people. I don't know how to say what I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, just the overall idea. Even just the thought of that, I don't, I won't ever have to go back to Raybo lifts or a regular job. The possibility of that. It's not that I laugh at it, but there's a doubt there. Like at the end, at the end of the day, at the root of what Sarah was doing, Abraham and Sarah, especially Sarah, they doubted God. And the laughing was kind of like a mocking of God. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I feel like I'm getting somewhere. I'm really just speaking over myself. Um, and hopefully so y'all are getting something from that. Is anything too hard for the Lord? In what ways do we mock God and laugh at him or make light of that phrase? Is anything too hard for God? All right. And then, yeah, and then not own up to being honest with him. So many people, including myself, have been running from their callings and their purpose because we don't really believe that God is good and that he will reward those who diligently seek him, that he knows the desires of our hearts, that he is the author and the finisher of our faith, that as long as we trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding in all our ways, he will direct our path, that if we are not wise in our own eyes and we resist the devil, he must flee. That even though the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus came that we have life and have it more abundantly. I know for me, I struggle with the more abundantly. I would believe that Jesus will give me eternal life. Shoot, even sometimes I've doubted that because of my past mistakes and sins. I have to, I have to wrestle with that. Like, am I really saved? Am I really going to heaven? Um, I think I finally have crossed that threshold. But when it comes to like that, God really is making a beautiful story that the next chapters of my life and the next scenes of the movie in my life are going to be a thousand times better 
than the ones I just went through. Not to say there's not going to be still struggles and challenges, but it's like it's going to actually get better. Do I believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Yes. He would do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask of him. Sometimes when I think about as I follow Christ and go deeper and deeper in my relationship, there's this thought I start thinking of like people who I know who've really sold out to Jesus and the tragic things that have happened to them. Plane crashes, car crashes, and or persecution and the being thrown in prison or killed, murdered, um, beaten, tortured. Um I don't know as many of that those examples in the personal. I I have heard the stories of the yeah, the car crashes, the plane crashes, the attacks on their family, yeah, losing family members, sickness, yeah, the sickness stories, the cancer diagnosis and diagnoses, all that kind of stuff. Um yeah, the attacks on their family and their children. Only stories I know of, like, the actual persecution outside of, like, if you look up the magazine Voice of the Martyrs, is the stories of, like, um, in the Bible, yeah, where Paul was beaten, whipped, imprisoned multiple times. Peter hung upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be hung right side up like Jesus. Um, Stephen stoned. Um so many examples of people in the Bible who sold out to Jesus and experienced these harsh realities, right? For a reward on the other side in heaven that was way better than anything they could receive here on earth. And I guess that's what I'm coming to. Like, this is the crossroads that I'm finally reckoning with in my life is like, like that one song, there's a song called He Wants It All. Who is it by? Old friend, BB is the one. Forever Jones. There's a song called He Wants It All by Forever Jones. It's like, there's a voice that cries out in the silence, searching for a heart that will love him, longing for a child that will give him their all. He wants it all. He wants it all. It's like, he's like, love. She's like, love me. Love me with your whole heart. He wants it all today. It's like, if I really surrender all to Jesus, like those songs, I surrender all. I surrender all, all to Jesus, precious Savior. I surrender all. Like, in what areas of, of our lives, have, at least I'll just speak for myself, in what areas of my life have I not surrendered? That's even a tough question to even answer because, like, your pride, like, my pride and my flesh wants to think that I have surrendered. Like, but God, I've done this for you. I've done this um, for you. I've done this for you. Kind of like in the beginning of Matthew 7 with the the people they try to say in the end, like, Lord, Lord, but we did this in your name. We did this in your name. We did this in your name. He's like, depart from me, workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Um, there's times where, like, we can have this 
intimate relationship with Jesus, right? Or try to like follow Jesus. But there's these still parts of us that we're still holding on to that we're not letting go. Like, for example, money is one of the biggest tests of this, right? So let's just say you had a thousand dollars. Like, let's say you had like a thousand dollars in your bank account. And that money, a thousand dollars in your bank account is set aside for your rent for the month. And God comes along, you feel like a voice, like a little nudging, but the Holy Spirit say, Hey, 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 I'm speaking for myself. Hey, hey, Ron. Or hey, Ashley or Craig, those of y'all listening, whoever's out there listening, I'm just making up names. I want you to take that thousand dollars. Because I'm about, to, I'm about to do a new thing. I'm about to bless you. I'm about to just wow your socks off. I'm about to do some amazing things in your life. I want to take you to another level of faith. So take that $1,000. And you, like I say, you only got like five days before rent is due. Before if you don't pay it, it's going to be late. I say you just got a day. <laughs> and you feel like the Holy Spirit nudging you. Like, hey, take that $1,000 and give it to the church or give it to fill in the blank missionary missions um whatever right i want you to trust me trust that i'm your provider that i'm jehovah yure or as we love to say jira i'm your provider jehovah nisi like i reign in victory and that i'm jehovah shallow i'm your prince of peace so like I will provide for you. I am your prince of, and I will provide you peace. And I'm your victory. Like, I'm not going to like make you look like boo-boo the fool. Like you will be able to pay your rent. And not only will you be able to pay your rent, I'm going to bless you to the point where you're going to be a lender, not a borrower. And let's say you do that, right? You you give the thousand dollars, and obviously, yeah, something happens to where you somehow don't have your rent now. Let's say he doesn't. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> All of a sudden, the fifth rolls around when rent is due. Oh, the first, yeah, technically doing the first, we get to the fifth, at least in my place that I live in, yeah, the other to the fifth to pay it, right? The money doesn't come. You know, you work, you work, you work, something happens or something happens and you're not able to make the money to pay the rent or some other bill comes up that's more pressing or something, whatever. You don't have the rent now. Now what? Now you got to humbly go to a family member or a friend or somebody and say, hey, uh, yeah, I gave my rent money to the church. Um, <laughs> and I was yeah, thinking that guy was going to come through. And yeah, it didn't quite go the way I thought it would. Can I borrow $1,000?
they looking at you like, why don't you go ask God for the thousand dollars? I don't have the, I don't have a thousand dollars for you. Why don't you go ask God for the thousand dollars? So you you go back to God and you ask God like, hey God, oh yeah, I need that thousand dollars back that I gave to that ministry, and. I'm just thinking, speaking a whole hypothetical situation here, right? Because your faith is being deepened, deepened, and somehow you just still don't get the thousand dollars from God, right? For whatever reason, I'm just walking down this. Is the yeah? Because just like you have a thousand stories of people praying for God to do a miraculous healing or show up financially, there's a bunch of stories of that not working out for people. And then they have to wrestle with like, did that person have enough faith? Did the person praying for them have enough faith? Is God who he says he is? Is anything too hard for God? That's the question. Yeah. Like, God, I surrendered. I did what I felt like you told me to do. Why didn't you come through? What's going on here? We look at God like this genie, right? That he just answers all our wishes, right? I'm just processing out loud, y'all. I'm hoping somebody gets something from this, right? And um, month two rolls by. Now you're $2,000 behind in rent. Month three rolls by. Now you're $3,000 behind in rent. Forces you to be evicted out of your apartment and move in with some family member who's nice enough to take you in. Right? You have to downsize. You feel like you're taking a step back in life, right? But during that time, let's say, yeah, you really start to learn like what things you actually need versus the things that you wanted. You learn to pray more and seek God's face and not his hand. You're humbled. You're no longer depending on yourself anymore, right? You learn some things, right? While you're living with that person. To a point where now God can use you, right? And then eventually you start, all these blessings start coming in, these unexpected funds, right? And these opportunities, you know, for you to get a new place. And now all of a sudden you have your own place and you got, you're allowing other people to live with you. You're able to be a blessing. It's just like, that scenario I just gave, somebody is going through that exact scenario right now. Like to a T. Somebody listening or somebody not listening. And God works in mysterious ways, y'all. He really does. And no matter what, as we go through these. All right. This somebody gave me a prophetic word like years ago. It was the, the leaders of the old house church I was a part of. And it was like talking about like how. They saw him like the wife. Because OJ and Suze, they're my old house church pastors. And like they were, the wife saw me. I was like in my early 20s, a newlywed. And they saw me at like a key, at a, an organ trying to like, like getting real close, right, to it and like really trying to play and like really hear the notes. And it represented like me playing like in life trying to hear the voice of God, like really intimately, like genuinely hear what he was saying. And this like, 
Yeah, and it's kind of like playing, like imagine somebody's playing music by ear and they don't like, they're not looking at sheet music. They're just, they hear the notes in their head and God is like, okay, play that note next. All right, now play that note. But they're not like thinking about it. They're just playing gracefully. That's what my relationship with Jesus has been like, especially in the last, I would say probably in my 20s when I was like really had these, this shift in like not just going to church. Um, Jesus started to become real to me. Um, I wanted more than just going to church every Sunday. So I don't know. I said a lot. Maybe somebody would get something out of that. I don't know if anything I said made sense, but if you don't get in, didn't get anything on what I said, he wants it all. There's power in our surrender. And is there anything too hard for God? The cities of the plain, verse 16. And the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom and Abraham went with, went, went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Hmm. Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. Hmm. Verse 20, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now. You know, you know it's bad when God has to go down to earth. Not as Jesus, but this is before that. <laughs> yeah, to go down, you're like, man, they wilding out there. Oh, man. Kind of like when your parent, your mom, remember your mom had to go down to your school? Why is it always the mom that would go to school? It was never the dad. It was all, yeah, because daddy be working. Or just, yeah, mom was going to handle that kind of stuff. Not to say that mom didn't work. Mom used to take off work, especially the single moms. Take off, oh, man, you had to make your mom take off from work to go down to the school to deal with you and talk to the teachers. Oh, man, you was getting it. I'm trying to think if my mom ever had to come to my school and have a talk. Not that I can think of. I think she did that for my brother. But yet in parent-teacher conferences. But if your mom had to come down to the school outside of a parent-teacher conference, you knew you was in trouble. This is, this is what this reminds me of. My mom, yeah, when your mom, a guy having to come down to earth because they was wilding out. They was sinning so bad in Sodom and Gomorrah. It was Amsterdam, Vegas, and whatever, yeah, <laughs> sin city you can think of in America, times 10, New Orleans, Mardi Gras. Carnival, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me. And if not, I will know. Wow. Verse 22. And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? That's a good question. That's a good question for today in 2023. Well, God because there's a lot of wickedness going on to the point where people are just mocking God. Yeah. Wagging their finger at him. Mocking Christians. Um, 
yeah, calling bad good and good bad. Calling right wrong and wrong right. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Verse 24, Per adventure, there be 50, or another way he's saying, for example, so let's say there be 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? Now y'all can go look up the number 50. It's a significant number in the Bible. Yeah, go to BibleStudy.org and look up our numbers in the Bible, BibleStudy.org, and look up the number 50. And you already know that represents Pentecost, the Holy Spirit. Fire. Wow. All right. Peradventure, there be 50 righteous within the city. My brain is always going down these different tangents. Um, but I have to, like, force myself not to do it. All right. Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shalt not the judge of all the earth do right? It's interesting. As I, the way I read that or interpret that, I encourage y'all to read some other commentaries on that. But like I read that is Abraham kind of questioning God is like, God, you're a good God, right? You're a, a perfect and merciful, gracious God. Would you really? This seems like that would be like, well, how could a good God allow these bad things to happen to these good and bad people? I, like <laughs> That's the way I kind of read it. Like, would you really destroy the righteous and the wicked? It almost seems kind of wrong if you got to destroy people in general. It's like this is your creation made in your image. Verse 26, and the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. All right, let's keep going. This gets interesting. Verse 27, and Abraham answered and said, behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. He's being very humble there. <laughs> trying to be humble. This always cracks me up. This this part of the Bible, too, is like how Abraham is kind of keeps questioning God here. He wasn't satisfied with that. Just one answer. Peradventure, there shall lack five of the 50 righteous without destroy all the city for lack of five. And he said, if I find there 40 and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, peradventure, there shall be 40 found there. Number 40, that's the number of trials. Remember 40 days in the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights for Jesus. 40, yeah, of Jesus being tempted 40 days of the children of Israel, 40 years of the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness, being tested 40 days on the boat. Moses, I mean, Noah on the boat. Yeah, 40 is very significant, too. You already know that. And he said unto him, oh, 
Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure there shall be. I'll go back. He said, verse 29, he spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure there shall be 40 found there. And he said, I will not do it for 40's sake. So he got 50, then 45, then 40. Let's keep going. Verse 30, and he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure there shall be 30 be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 righteous people. If I find 30 righteous people on earth. Uh, I, God said, I will not destroy the earth. Now, this is kind of funny because it's like Abraham is kind of whittling him down. <laughs> As I'm thinking about this, it's like in my head, in my like funny imagination, I'm thinking like Abraham is probably like counting all the people who in Sodom and Gomorrah who you might think might possibly even be the slightest bit righteous. He's like, hmm. He's like, Tim, Craig, Ashley, John, um, you know, Laquanda. I'm thinking of some, making up some names, right? Angela, Pamela, Renee from around the way. All these people, yeah, they might possibly, God might consider them righteous. But not quite. He's like, uh, can, I, can I round up 50 righteous people? Nah, it'd probably be hard to get 50. What about 45? Nah, it'd be hard to get 45. Uh, 40? Nah, ain't 40. 30? Nah, yeah. It's funny how his number goes down by five. Yeah, from 50 to 45, then 45 to 40. It goes down in five increments, numbers of grace. Wow. Then he goes straight from 40 to 30. You notice that? It didn't go to 35. It go, he jumps to 30. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Verse 31. And he said, behold, now I have taken upon me to speak upon the Lord. Peradventure, there shall be 20 found there. So now he goes from 30 to 20. Like Abraham was like, mm-hmm. oh, man, this reminds me of like kids. They know what they can get from their parents. When they ask for something, like, hmm, I may not be able to get a hundred dollars from them, but can I get twenty? May not be able to get twenty dollars from them, but can I can I get five? <laughs> so it goes from fifty to forty-five to forty to thirty, now to twenty. And he said, Behold, not I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure there shall be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. Let's keep going. Verse 32. And he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak yet. But this once peradventure 10 shall be found there from 20 to 10. Now, y'all. He said, I will not destroy it for 10 sake. All right. Verse 33. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham and Abraham returned in his place. It makes you wonder, did Abraham ask him one more time? <laughs> it doesn't say it, but he says once the Lord f- finished communing with him, I imagine maybe they kept communing a little bit longer. Maybe Abraham asked one more time for like, all right, what if there's this one righteous person? Because the only person he could probably think of was Lot. And maybe Lot's wife, two people.
it's interesting too because like you kind of got to read into these scriptures a little bit more like kind of make some inferences as you read because before remember when it said god was like talking to the father i believe he's talking to the father son and the holy spirit he's like should we and they're like should we tell abraham what we're about to do <laughs> like will this throw off the plan of us trying to going to destroy uh sodom and gomorrah i don't know and he was like oh abraham's like hold on hold on you really gonna destroy all these folks the righteous and the wicked <laughs> and then abraham has the thing like oh snap are they any righteous people um left on the land before you destroy like hold on a sec hold on a sec let's do a head count <laughs> i'm just like you gotta kind of like think through this stuff and laugh at it because it just makes the bible more interesting like but honestly like today if you think about that i've thought about that recently like, what if the rapture were to occur right now? Because some people believe, like, like there'll be the rapture and then there'll be, like, the Great Tribulation, which you don't want to be around here for. Anyway. What am I trying to say, y'all? Like, what if you were to think that, like, right now, like, okay, God is like, yeah, what if you were a pastor, right? And God gave you some insight and it's like, yeah, the rapture is going to occur tomorrow. Like, not saying that God would do that, but like, say he gave you some insight that it's going to happen like within a week or something, right? And, or within the month, or before the end of the year, the rapture is about to happen. And the pastor's like, hold on, hold on a second, God, like, you're really going to allow. this to happen right now and he and the pastor's like just whittling down like hey guy okay if there's at least 50 people in my city or in the world who are righteous will you prevent this from happening will you stop this event from happening and the great tribulation from happening he's like all right if there's 50 righteous people, I won't destroy it. And then these are the passages whittling them down. Like, what if there's at least just 10 people? And they just, or in this case, in our world we live in, it seems like there's like hardly anybody that is trying to follow Jesus. And there's only like, like the remnant feels smaller and smaller these days. Like on a planet with 8 billion people on it, there there's even though there's like at least i need to look at how many people in the world in the world right now claim to be christians like would just say that they're a christian let's just say there's a billion people who claim to be christian on earth right now now out of those billion people who say that they're christians right that they're you know they follow jesus that they actually have a relationship with him right they've accepted jesus christ as their lord and savior out of those billion people how many of them actually have a relationship with jesus like genuinely and it's not like they just go to church or they don't even go to church at all they just but they say they're christian and but they have no fruit like that would show or demonstrate that they actually are christian right um and fruit i'm not saying i go examining people's fruit that's up, up for only god determines like what is fruitful right 
say out of those one billion, there's only like a million that are actually Christians. And it's like, that's what I kind of think of now these days. It's like, God, would you really come back when there's only, and cause the great tribulation, when there's only a million people on this earth who are actually a remnant that is actually at least has a relationship with you and is trying to follow you? Would you actually do that within a twinkling of an eye? That's what I think of when I read Genesis 18. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have grace. As these days get darker and darker, I pray that more and more people would cry out to you and ask you into their heart and follow you. For the Christians who have known you for a long time, I pray we'd be more bold and our witness in our faith before it's too late. And we'll stop playing around. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 5a says, But God demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will not might be, not maybe, we will be saved. For with our hearts we believe we are now in right standing with God, and with our mouths we confess that we are now saved. Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody or everybody, who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, or you've walked away from him, and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Amen. Gave me water, Jesus gave me water, and it was not from the well. Singing, Jesus gave me.